Welcome to Insight, Kingspan Insulation's podcast on all things insulation related. My name is Alexandra and I'm part of Kingspan Insulation's marketing team. Today I have Lucy and Charlotte joining me. Tell me a bit about yourselves and what you do for Kingspan. Hi, I am Lucy Wally. I'm head of marketing at Kingspan Insulation um, and I've worked here for about seven years now. Hi, I'm Charlotte Snowzell and I am the assistant campaign manager working in the marketing department. I've worked for Kingspan for just over three years now. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me. So today in the podcast, we're going to be talking about the recent updates the Education and Skills Funding Agency have made to Building Bulletin 101, also known as BB 101, Guidelines on Ventilation, Thermal Comfort and Indoor Air Quality in Schools. Firstly, talk to me about BB 101. What does it cover and why is it needed? So on the 23rd of August last year, the Education and Skills Funding Agency updated Building Bulletin 101, which looks at ventilation, thermal comfort and the indoor um, air quality in schools. It looks at different factors that affect the indoor environment of schools. It sets out some regulatory framework for ventilations in schools and it gives some recommended performance levels for compliance with UK regulations. Um, It goes on to kind of talk about different non-statutory guidance on how to design schools for architects um, and looks at ways that you can achieve the different compliance levels to create the most effective learning environment for students in schools. Yeah, and like like Charlotte says, some of it is non-statutory, but it has been born out of um, a third of head teachers saying that they feel their facilities are not fit for purpose so they're not providing a good internal environment for their their students to learn in and keep focused and on task and that that is a daily challenge for for teachers of today um, and I think that's why it's needed and, and why it's been created. Fantastic. One of the most significant changes within the document is a completely revised approach to how thermal comfort is measured Tell me a bit more about what thermal comfort is. So to put it very simply, thermal comfort is basically um, someone's, a person's state of mind in terms of whether they feel too hot or too cold. BSEN ISO 7730 describes thermal comfort as a condition of the mind which expresses satisfaction with the current thermal environment. So there's, there's lots of factors actually that can affect the thermal comfort. Um, there's environmental factors and personal factors. Environmental factors are air temperature, mean radiant temperature, airspeed, location and direction of air movement, turbulence intensity and relative humidity. And then you've got personal factors that affect thermal comfort, which are physiological factors, psychological factors, clothing insulation level, and metabolic rate as well. Um, but there's lots of things that the architects can do to design thermal comfort into a building. Um, so making it more thermally efficient is, is one of those things. Um, and thinking about daylight inside the building and looking at overheating um, is another one of those. Um, positioning of the building also has, has an impact. Um, and positioning of the building is something quite important in Passive House, which we've discussed on a previous podcast. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And so I suppose talk to me more about the actual impact thermal comfort has on health and performance of students. 
So um, there's lots of statistics out there um, that show that thermal comfort has an impact on the health and performance of schools. Um, so there's lots of research that's been done. Um, one of those is that um, temperatures in the range of 25 to 20 degrees showed improved students' performance in terms of speed by between 2 and 4% for every 1% one degree reduction in temperature. Um, and this was done, this this piece of research was done by the Institute of Education, University College London. And, and the overall report that they did focused on, on thermal conditions and indoor air quality on health, comfort and cognitive performance of students. And there's also another report by Professor Peter Barrett at the University of Salford, which concluded that a well-designed classroom could boost pupils' performance by up to 16% over the course of a year. Um, and the report found that naturalness, i.e. light and temperature and air quality, were the predominant factors in impacting students' development. So there's lots of there's lots of statistics and research that's been done that, that prove that thermal comfort is extremely important to consider. So there's lots of research out there, lots of reports that support the idea that thermal comfort can have a massive impact on the health and performance of students. Um, a British standard that, that kind of looks at this is BSEN 15251 um, and it looks at how the indoor environment of a building can have a significant effect on the health of occupants, specifically for example within schools. Um, it looks at a report that talks about how the cost of a poor environment in terms of losses in productivity, the cost of absenteeism can often be considerably higher than the actual energy costs of running the building and therefore the importance of ensuring um, you know a really great indoor environment can have a significant benefit not just on the users of the building but in terms of the running costs you know the overall costs of that building. That's right so there's there's operational benefits to it as well as benefits to the children who are learning within the school. Exactly. That's fantastic. So really sort of future-proofing not only the schools, but also our, our next generations. Um, so now I want to come on to thermal, the thermal comfort criteria for schools and how this is achieved. Talk to me a bit more about this. Yes, so um, within BB101, there's lots of guidance on how to achieve the thermal comfort criteria for schools. Obviously, every building will have a different criteria and within each building there'll be different rooms and therefore the usage of those rooms will that will have a very different criteria for example take a school environment where you might have a classroom um, the criteria the thermal comfort criteria for that classroom would be very different to say a sports hall where students are running around again going back to some of the um, points that Lucy raised earlier in terms of the different factors that can impact you know a student's thermal comfort and um, this is why there's different criteria needed for those different types of rooms. Yeah, and, and in, in terms of the whole building approach, as well as the, the internal environment of each room, you've also got um, whether the building itself is free running. Um, so by free running, we mean um, it's not actively heated or cooled. Um, it's just passively heated or cooled. So either by light or um, air temperature from, from the inside to out. Um, now, most education buildings today are described as free running, but in the summer. So 
most don't have air conditioning or mechanical air conditioning that would cool it down and they rely on natural ventilation to cool but there are other means of of um, cooling down a building that don't just involve natural ventilation and they are covered as well in in bb 101 charlotte talk to me about some other ways architects can design buildings to passively cool the building there are a number of different ways um, that a building can be actively you know cooled um, one of these ways uh, is a night purge strategy which looks at using cool nighttime air to cool the building overnight. Um, this typically kind of involves windows, vents, louvers, um, any kind of natural ventilation um, means to, to cool the building. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's especially um, that can especially be used for for thermally massive building fabrics. So. Um, education buildings that are designed with with lots of concrete um, so potentially using a primarily concrete structure um, and these these structures also lend themselves to passive and active measures to cool the thermal mass um, so um, passive measures used to maintain comfortable building temperatures are the basic design elements of a building really um, and they maximise the use of natural sources of heating and cooling and ventilation. So we're talking about mainly cooling at this point due to most of education buildings being free running in summer. Um, but there are there are um, there are passive ways to heat the building as well, which of course can reduce energy consumption. So example measures would include the use of insulation, air tightness, natural light, solar gain, and natural ventilation. So we we spoke earlier about positioning. Of, of the building having an effect on thermal comfort, but that can also be used for, for solar gain um, in managing the temperatures inside the building as well. Yeah, and as Lucy was saying about some of those passive measures, generally they create buildings which consume less energy. Um, however, most buildings, unless built with this specifically in mind, will generally include both active and passive measures to cool and heat the thermal mass of a building. But generally, um, the thermal efficiency of a building can be modelled through dynamic thermal modelling, which involves building a 3D computer model of a building, um, which I presume can be done through BIM. Um, and this 3D simulation um, is consistent with the building's design and specification and looks at uh, building orientation, uh, insulation levels, air tightness, etc. All the things that we've discussed um, earlier on in the podcast. Um, and the in-depth modelling can predict internal comfort conditions, identify the likelihood of overheating during summer months, establish likely heating demands, and maximise available light and via daylight calculations. Um, and one of the things that's actually really interesting with the overheating side of things is looking at insulation levels with hot water pipes, because if, if the, the internal pipework in a building isn't, insulated correctly those hot water pipes can lead to overheating in the summer months um, which is something that's really important to consider when you're designing. Is there a way architects can use dynamic thermal modelling to future-proof education buildings? Yeah absolutely I mean BB 101 looks at this need for future-proofing teaching spaces and refers to it as um, the climate change adaption. Um, in order to future-proof an education building, it would require architects and specifiers to go over and above the U values listed within some of the building regulations. The passive house approach aims to reduce this energy demand through good design, including a well-optimized building form and orientation, maximizing efficiency, 
through good fabric construction and detailing and optimising solar gains. The benefits of future-proofing and education building to this standard include significant reduction in energy use. Uh, between 70 and 90% is what we usually see. Um, and now more than ever, that's um, an important thing for architects to consider um, as the government have announced the, the climate emergency. So we need to be considering ways to, to reduce the carbon of uh, the carbon emissions of the buildings that we design and build today. And, and U-values is just one part of, um, of, of how we can future-proof our education buildings. We need to be looking at air tightness and thermal bridging as well. Um, air tightness of a building is again something that's considered within the passive house standard. Um, and thermal bridging involves good detail and, and good design. That's fantastic. So obviously we've now talked about design, but how does this apply to the build process? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, um, the builders and the contractors play a major part in ensuring that the education building is built to design. So obviously, Lucy talked earlier about um, dynamic thermal modelling and this, this idea of BIM and how the building is um, pre-designed before it's even at the kind of like build stage. So the builder and the contractor have a really important part to play to ensure that all of the different elements that go into making this future-proofed building um, a building that's thermally comfortable and it performs as it should do. I mean, some of the downsides of even, you know, Lucy talked about this thermal bridging, unless that's done effectively, the building runs the risk of facing issues such as condensation, mould growth, and eventual deterioration of internal linings, which in the end run is, isn't great for, for the building owner and also isn't great for the occupants who are working within that environment, both the teachers and the students. Yeah, and it is something that education buildings can suffer a lot from, not in terms of condensation and mould growth, just in terms of um, limitations on the workmanship because they're to such tight timescales over summer holidays mm. or over the Easter break. And we see that they're, they're trying to get these buildings up really quickly, mm. um, which um, is understandable given the disruption that it's causing. Um, but there are ways to, to mitigate against that in terms of training, as well as um, using or looking at off-site construction um, to minimise the, the disruption on site. Thank you both so much. That's been a brilliant overview. And if people want to find out more, um, where can they head to? Yeah, so on our website, we've got a dedicated web page specifically that looks at insulation for education. Um, Separately, we've got a page dedicated to BB101, which goes through all of the guidance in relation to thermal comfort. Um, and within that page, there's a technical bulletin which looks at BB101 and includes some um, tables which lay out how Kingspan insulation products can be used to achieve passive house um, requirements. Fantastic. Well, thank you all so much for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. If you have any feedback, please head to info at kingspaninsulation.co.uk or for more information, visit our website at kingspaninsulation.co.uk forward slash podcast.